1: Bear down, Bears fans. It's time for another edition of the Chicago Bears Podcast. Bears man, power by Windy City, Florida, SB Nation. Bill Zimmerman with you. And just really had an itch to, to get out there and, and, and do a podcast here because haven't haven't jumped on the mic here in a few weeks. Really wanted to get, get some thoughts out there and had an opportunity to have Brad Spielberger on from PFF. He's going to be along here in about 10 minutes. Lot to get into with Brad. What I want to do with Brad today is let's talk about this Bears roster objectively and let's look at what they can do in free agency. You know, free agency is a few weeks away, but you know, you're going to get caught up with the combine next week, then you're going to be caught up with the you know, little maybe March madness or whatever, and then free agency is just going to hit you, and you're not going to have a time to really dissect it. So, I wanted to take a minute and kind of dissect the roster with Brad because you know, and, and I'll bring this up to him. But I really think, you know, Bears fans, and I think it's NFL fans. I'm not saying this is this is what Bears fans do. I think this is what NFL fans do. They look at their team, they fall in love with certain players, and they expect them to be around, doesn't matter who is that general manager. I totally disagree with that, because when general managers come in, they want this to be their roster. They want to pick their guys. Now, they're going to look at this, and, and you know, obviously... Ryan Poles is not taking this job unless he thinks Justin Fields is going to, unless he doesn't believe in Justin Fields. He believes in Justin Fields. That's going to be the key focal point of his offense. That's fine. But what I'm talking about is, you know, go back and rewind the clock seven years to Ryan Pace. Ryan Pace took over a bad team. The 2021 Chicago Bears were a bad team. Similar situation here with Ryan Poles. Ryan Pace he didn't do it overnight, but after a couple, three years, when the roster was finally Ryan Pace's roster, right? He had put his fingerprints fully on this roster. Five guys remained, two of them were special teamers. Kyle Long, Charles Leno, Kyle Fuller. That was it from the offense and the defensive side of the ball. That was it. Now, I don't think this roster is going to be overturned that much, but in a couple, three years, off this current roster, there is probably not going to be more than 10 guys on this roster that, that, that remain. I just don't see that happening. I, I, you know, I don't see 20 guys remaining from this roster. Ryan Poles is going to want to make this his roster. Is he going to keep Fields? Certainly. Is he going to keep Mooney? Most likely. Is he going to keep Cole Komet? When Cole Komet's rookie contract is up? I would doubt that right now, unless Cole Komet makes significant jumps in this offense. I don't think Cole Komet's going to return. Larry Borum and, and Tevin Jenkins, I think Tevin Jenkins, if, if Ryan Pace had stayed and gotten a four-year contract extension, Tevin Jenkins was never going anywhere. Now Tevin Jenkins has to prove it to this new regime. Eddie Jackson, he's got to live up to the contract. Eddie Jackson may not be around in a couple of years. Khalil Max aging. He may not be around in a couple of years. Robert Quinn, he may not be around in a couple of years. There, there is going to be a lot of overturn on this roster like I look at the defensive side of the ball and if I said how many of these guys will be will Ryan Poles commit to two I think it's Jalen Johnson and I think it's Roquan Smith I think they'll get contract extensions Thomas Graham I would put him as the third most likely to, to stick around in a few years khalil Mack, i just have a feeling with the injuries he's had his age his large contract number now maybe he restructures and brings that way down because he wants to stay in chicago till he's 35 36 and if he does great but he has to do that at a much lower level and that's you know if khalil Mack is honest with himself if he likes being in chicago and he wants to stay as part of this this matt eber flu's defense then he's going to have an opportunity to do that if he doesn't want to chase $20 million a year. If he sits there and says, you know, at at his age, and I'm not saying this year, I'm saying in a couple years, at his age, if he wants to just become a specialist pass rusher, you know, wants to, you know, drop the snap count and just kind of pin his ears back and go after the quarterback for a few years, that's something I think the Bears would absolutely be interested in doing, because why wouldn't you, Khalil Mack's one of the best to, to do it in the last 20 years. But in terms of committing to him as a major component to the defense, that's going to be hard to do because at this point it's getting harder and harder to trust Khalil Mack to play 16, 17 games a year. So, you know, other than Jalen and Roquan, I don't think there's a guarantee on this defense about who's going to be around in a few years. When you look offensively, Justin Fields and, and Mooney and maybe a couple guys on the offensive line. But again, I don't think there's much else there. Uh, that's going to be there a, a couple of years after that. David Montgomery, you know, I know he's up for a contract extension potentially this off season. I wouldn't do that. I would definitely let Montgomery ride for another year. I wouldn't commit big dollars to a running back. That's just me. David Montgomery is a good player. David Montgomery is not a special elite top three or four running back in the league. And those are the only type of running backs I would invest in. I would not invest in someone like David Montgomery. It has nothing to do. I like David Montgomery. I just don't think investing in running backs is a wise choice in the current modern day NFL. So there's there's a lot of questions here on this roster. And it's going to be really curious how Ryan polls molds this into his roster, but there's there's a lot going on there with the Bears, so we're going to talk about all that with Brad Spielberger coming up here in, in a few minutes. Because when you get the free agency, what can the Bears do? I know a lot of people say the Bears have a ton of salary cap space, and, and that is true to an extent, but they have a lot of holes, people. A lot of holes. I mean, you look at this roster right now, they need one cornerback at a minimum, they need a starting caliber. This isn't just, I'm not talking about free agent, you know, vet minimums. They need a cornerback. They need a safety. They need at least one linebacker. They need, I would say, at least one interior defensive lineman. They need, I would say, two offensive linemen, and I would say two wide receivers. That is eight starting caliber players that they have to go out and find this offseason, if they want to fill in all the holes. Sure, they can try and hope that they'll fill a couple holes in the draft, but you're talking about signing eight guys. Then start looking at the salary cap and and how much you have to pay. You have to pay a, a starting caliber player, even if they're mid-tier, you know, 7 million, 8 million, maybe 10 million a year. You're gonna suck up your salary cap space in a hurry that way. And you know. So there, there's there's a lot of holes here. There's a lot of questions. It's going to be really interesting what Ryan Poles does. I'm fascinated with the offensive line. We'll, we'll I'm going to kick off of that with, with Brad because I'm fascinated. Ryan Poles said he is going to focus on the offensive line, which I love to hear. It starts up front on the offense. I love to hear it. Justin Fields is going to need a little more time because Justin Fields wants to throw the ball deep, which we love, but he needs time to do it. So you got to improve the offensive line. You know, and I've seen a lot of, you know, chatter on Twitter where like, all right, well, you know, they got Jenkins at left tackle and then they're going to have white hair at uh, left guard and they're going to re-sign Daniels and they got Borum. So they just need to, you know, maybe replace Sam Mustafer, and that's it. I don't see that being what Ryan Poles wants to do because that's just running it back with Ryan Pace's offensive line. And again, Ryan Poles, if Ryan Pace's decisions were enough, Ryan Pace would still be the general manager here. Ryan Poles is going to change things. Ryan Poles is going to put his fingerprints on this roster. And when he says it starts up front, Ryan Poles is going to make changes on the offensive line. Cody Whitehair, you know, I'm going to ask Brad about it. I don't see a lot of reason to cut Cody Whitehair this year I don't see the cap relief you know that just doesn't make a lot of sense he can play center potentially left guard you got some versatility there I think Cody Whitehair returns Borum and Jenkins I think Jenkins is going to be starting somewhere I hope they move Jenkins back to right tackle I think that's where he's he he should be I hope Ryan Pulse sees that puts him there Larry Borum You know, we've heard maybe they move him to guard. Maybe Borum is a swing tackle. Larry Borum, gonna be interesting to see what they decide to do with him. Other than that, I think we're seeing at least two new names up there. At least. I don't think they're gonna re-sign James Daniels. I think James Daniels is gonna hit free agency. I think James Daniels is gonna get 10 million a year because someone's gonna see how young he is and that he's mostly improved. I think James Daniels is gone. I don't think Ryan Poles is gonna bat an eye about it. I think he's gonna focus on replacing Daniels and go after and sign maybe one other player, and then you're gonna see an investment in the offensive line in the draft as well. You're gonna see two, maybe three new starters on the offensive line. That is my belief. I think that's gonna get that's gonna get overturned quite a bit. Wide receiver is gonna be interesting because Daz Newsom, you know, is is whatever, six-round pick may not be anything and you've got Darnell Mooney, and only Darnell Mooney. They need some weapons for Justin Fields. I don't know what direction they're going to go. That's something else we're going to talk to Brad Spielberger about. Tight end, Cole Komet. I'm not a huge Cole Komet fan. I don't think he's anything more than a league average tight end, but league average tight end, again, that's his ceiling, I think, but that's not someone you'd run out and replace. I think Cole Komet has proven himself to be a top 32 tight end in this league, in-line tight end, and what does that mean? That means he's worthy of starting, and that's where he'll be on the Bears roster. But I do not see Cole Komet getting a long-term investment from this this Bears regime either. So there's a lot of questions here, a lot of questions on this Bears roster, a lot of holes on this Bears roster. They're converting from a 3-4 to a 4-3. That's going to tweak things a little bit on on the defensive side of the ball as well. So, what is going to happen this offseason? That's where I wanted to focus this, this podcast on because there are so many questions. So, before I jump to Brad Spielberger, one last thing. Wanted to just talk a little bit about Aaron Rodgers because obviously the Packers, uh, you know, everything they do makes a great impact on Bears fans. And Aaron Rodgers is basically holding the league hostage right now. I think him and McAfee probably thought that that spot they did earlier this week was funny. You know, they were expecting a major announcement, and all we got is that Aaron Rodgers was on a cleanse. So not much details there, but he- here's what I would say. I don't think, you know, Aaron Rodgers is very image conscious, despite how much how many hits his image took this, this past season. Aaron Rodgers is not gonna go on Pat McAfee's show and demand a trade from the Green Bay Packers. He is going to, if he does that, he is going to do that behind closed doors. Now I'll say the fact that he didn't make any announcements leaves the door open for a trade, which is a, a positive thing for Bears fans, but I think it's pointing more and more towards Aaron Rodgers running it back. What does that mean? It means the Packers are gonna be good for a couple more years. I mean Aaron Rodgers, we're, we're, we keep hearing the Denver Broncos, and you, know, you hear some other things, Tennessee Titans, things like that, whatever it might be. But Aaron Rodgers, does he really want to go to the AFC? I mean, the NFC, with Tom Brady gone, or I know there's the rumor they could go to the 49ers, but that's fine. That's just another team in the NFC West. I mean, you look at the NFC East, North, and South combined, you can't come up with three playoff teams. You cannot come up with three playoff teams out of those three divisions. So, that I mean, you got Tampa Bay. They have no quarterback right now. You know, again, maybe they, they get lucky and can get a Russell Wilson type, but most likely they're going to, you know, go back to Winston or get Jimmy Garoppolo or, you know, some mid-level quarterback like that. The NFC South isn't going to be great. The Saints are going to be a mess without Sean Payton. They don't have a quarterback. The NFC East right now, you've got, you know, you've got the Dallas Cowboys. The Eagles there a little bit, but you know there's not a lot of talent there either. The North, if somehow Aaron Rodgers left, the North may be the worst division in football. So does Aaron Rodgers really want to leave the NFC North right now? He's got a chance to just cruise through the regular season and then you know just has to win a couple games to get back to the Super Bowl, which he has been failed to, failing to do. But right now, it's just pointing to a lot of sense that Aaron Rodgers stays with Green Bay. Now, the one positive there, you sit there and say, well, that sucks for Bears fans. The positive things I will say about that is, one, that means Jordan Love. That was, as most of us said, a stupid decision, and the Green Bay Packers will basically be admitting that with an Aaron Rodgers contract extension. They will have wasted a first-round pick. That's always nice to see from your your rival. And two, they're going to have to do some cap gymnastics to make this work, which means void years and messing up you know, their future a little bit where they will be hamstrung a little bit. So, you know, Bears fans probably going to have to ride out this Aaron Rodgers debacle a couple more seasons. But then, you know, hopefully when Justin Fields is coming to his own, the Packers will finally get a taste of some medicine of what it's like to not have an NFL quarterback on the roster because Bears fans certainly know that all too well. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it'll be Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus. We will break down the offseason with him. This is Bears Banter, Bill Zimmerman. Be right back. All right. Very excited for this guest. We've got a lot to discuss, so we're going to jump right into it. He is Brad Spielberger. He is pro football focus. You can follow him at PFF underscore Brad on Twitter. You know, he cap expert, you know, you know, pseudo GM. He knows exactly what these guys are going to get paid in the offseason. All the free agents. Great guy to talk to at this time of year. And he joins
0: us now. Brad, Bill Zimmerman. How are you? I'm doing great. I appreciate the intro and uh, yeah, it's the, uh, it's the regular season for me now. So we're getting ready to go. Yeah,
1: absolutely. You're like a kid in the candy store right now. You know, when the, when the GMs were getting announced that all the, the uh, interviews were happening in January, you could tell that was, that was your uh, the, the golden time for you, but uh, <laughs> let's jump in on this roster here because you know, this, this is an interesting roster. We know it has a lot of holes. We know there are some high talented people in certain spots and developing people in other spots, but You know, I I always go back to this when people ask me, you know, what's going to happen here? What's going to happen here? I go, you know, look at what Ryan Pace did when he took over. And and this happens with a lot of GMs. When he took over for the previous administration, Phil Emmerich, after a couple of years had passed and it was Ryan Pace's roster, he kept five guys on the roster from the previous administration. And two of them were special teamers, McManus and O'Donnell. He kept Kyle Long, Kyle Fuller and Charles Leno. And that was it. Everything else he he turned over. Now, I think this roster doesn't need that much overturning, but I do think there's going to be a lot more than people expect. So let's start on the offensive line, because I think that's the most, for me, that's the most interesting piece, because Ryan Poles talked about it being a focal point of the offense. You know, there's, you know, we got James Daniels as a free agent. We've got a couple second year players now coming in there. I'm not certain exactly what Poles is going to do with this, this offensive line as a focal point, but you know, a lot of people are saying, Oh, they can run it. They can re-sign James Daniels. They can white Harold bounce back and, you know, they got Borum starting and Jenkins starting. I don't see that happening because that's Ryan Pace's offensive line, you know, moving forward another year. I, I expect polls to make some changes there. What do you see with this offensive line moving forward? I guess let's start with James Daniels. Do you think there's any chance he gets re-signed at, you know, I think you're projecting about 10 million a year for him. Do you think there's any chance he gets re-signed there?
0: Yeah. So I can tell you my coworker at PFF, Doug Tyde, who's our you know national insider. He reported yesterday that, you know, the bears have interest in James Daniels, but it's likely that he's going to test the market first. Um, and I think because it's not a particularly strong group of guards, there's some solid players, but you know, not a long list more. So it's not a list of guys as young as Jim Daniels. I mean, he, He's going to be younger than some draft picks this year. So, you know, the reason there with the five-year, $50 million projection, part of that is because of the length of the deal, um, you know, is why that price is so high. If they went shorter, I think they could probably get below $10 million per year. But nevertheless, I think it'll be explored. I mean, he's a better zone run blocker. He, you know, he's not going to be a gap power system guy. And I think they're going to stick with that outside zone approach with offensive coordinator Luke Getzi. So I'm sure they will explore it. But I don't see him, as you said, I don't think he's going to spend a ton to retain a Ryan Pace guy. Um, He might think it's easier to go out and get a cheap addition like an Alex Kappa in Tampa Bay, maybe a, you know, Mark Lewinsky with the Colts. There's there's some cheaper veterans he could bring in that have connections to Iberflus or himself, you know, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif from the Chiefs, you know, so on and so forth. So I'm with you. I think he wants this roster to be his. So there's no impetus to bring back Pace guys
1: now Cody Whitehair obviously another pace guy you know down year last year I don't think anyone's going to defend that he had a a solid season last year but we know Whitehair is he's versatile you can put him at a couple different positions and you know he we have seen him have the ability to be a a solid offensive lineman now his his salary is such a way and uh, the, the way I look at it there's really not much relief. There's not a lot of sense in letting Whitehair go this year. So that's one guy you can expect to be around for at least one more season, correct?
0: I agree. You know, there's a lot of chatter about him getting cut. I I don't really see it. I think what may be interesting is he's a Kansas State guy. So did Ryan Poles scout him a lot when he was with the Kansas City Chiefs and maybe it was kind of an easy trip? Um, He's not gone. I think one more year, how his year goes may dictate if he's around for 2023. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you.
1: And Jenkins and Borum, obviously, they're not going anywhere with three years left on, on rookie deals. You know, we, we've heard, you know, that maybe Jenkins could move to guard. Borum could move to guard. You're hearing all these different things, you know. At this point, you know, if you're Ryan polls and with limited resources, we'll get into that here in a little bit is Larry Borum someone you think might slide in as a starter still, or would you think they would want to try and have him, you know, swing tackle OL six, whatever you want to look at.
0: I think that's going to be interesting is if Tevin Jenkins staying at left tackle, was that just out of desperation and do now a new regime, put him back in his natural position and maybe explore again, some, some free agent left tackles, like an Eric Fisher that played for both the chiefs and the Colts, you know, has familiarity with both guys And just get a true, you know, a guy they can trust on the left side, let Jenkins grow. And then for Borum, I really do think if James Daniels does not return, I think the odds that Borum then maybe slides in at right guard actually go up a a pretty considerable amount. Um, Because again, like you said, end of the day, he's not tethered to any of the prior regime's decisions. And and I think he's going to want to put his own touch on this offensive line. And it obviously was not a great unit last year.
1: Now, Cole Komet, we're entering year three. We have seen a little development. I don't think we've seen enough development. But, you know, to me, tight end is a position where I think at this point, Cole Komet is serviceable. I don't think he's a difference maker. But for me at this point, obviously, they're going to have to you know get some depth at the position, whether it be through drafting or, or vet minimums or whatever it might be. I don't see them addressing tight end this year. I think they're going to be satisfied at least for this year with Cole Komet. Do you agree with that?
0: I do agree with you. Uh, I do think there's going to be a continued emphasis on a lot of twelve personnel, two tight ends. You know, the Packers had Mercedes Lewis in the fold with Rob Tocnie, and, and emphasize that that inline blocker. You know, Komet, it's funny, like, you know, he's not, in my opinion, worth the draft pick he was taken with, but he is a very serviceable inline tight end with some pass catching upside. He's not going to become Travis Kelsey, and I'm I'm sure people will compare him to that because of Ryan Poles forever, but I agree with you, He's, he's a solid player. And then, yeah, outside of him, just sign Jesse James back, you know, just smaller moves and focus your resources elsewhere.
1: Now, when we look at, you know, let's just, we'll wait, we'll save wide receiver basically till we get to kind of the mock free agency because there's really nothing to assess there because no one's under contract But Darnell Mooney. And we know Darnell Mooney is going to be staying on this roster, but from a running back perspective, we're entering the interesting time with David Montgomery because, you know, this would be the off season to extend him. I'm not one for giving running backs money unless they are elite difference makers, Otherwise, I think they're too interchangeable. And that's, you know, you know, you see that every year at the Super Bowl, you know, someone puts out the stat of um, the graphic of what the highest paid running back is on the Super Bowl champion. And it's never more than a couple three million because it's just not a wise investment. Ryan Poles, though, you know, he did take Clyde Edwards Hilaire. He was part of that as, as a first round selection. There may be a little bit more of a focal point on running. I'm not sure exactly what Ryan Poles is nine set is there do you think there's any chance David Montgomery gets extended
0: you know I I really do I I think one component there is he is good in the pass catching game and and that is an element that you know again if Donald Mooney's the only guy under contract for right now probably helps him but you know I also just think when George McCaskey speaks at his end of season press conferences and, and, and shouts out Montgomery by name and We know he is a a great locker room guy. He would eat glass if Ryan Poles asked him to eat glass, like all those things when you're trying to establish a culture um, and and trying to get a locker room to buy in. Yes. Those reasons and rationales are probably not always smart, but I really do. I think he's going to get extended. I think it'll fall in the 10 to 12 million per year range, maybe even more, frankly, Um, how it ages probably won't be great, but I I do think that is probably a, a, a strong possibility.
1: Oh, that's, look, I, I know Bears fans love Montgomery and he's been a workhorse and all that. I just, oh, that, that that's nails on a chalkboard for me right now. I'm not going to lie. Um, all right, quarterback position. Obviously, Andy Dalton's a free agent. Would you keep Nick Foles around for a year as, as they install a new offense?
0: Yeah, you know, I think it depends on really like what Nick Foles' perspective is. Is he a, as Mike Tomlin said about Melvin Ingram last year, is he a volunteer or is he a hostage? Like, does he not want to be there? I think that was the case last year with Matt Nagy. I think he made that quite clear. Um, but I could see him, you know, he was in Kansas City a long time ago, but I do believe Foles was there when he was there. So, again, there are some connections. Um. I think he's a fine, serviceable backup quarterback. His contract, you might as well just keep that. I know a lot of people keep saying, oh, you can cut him and replace him. If you cut him and replace him with a similar caliber backup quarterback, you're probably coming out net even. So why not just stick with a guy that you have that Justin Fields, you know, by all accounts, has worked with, and, and we don't know that there's any you know bad blood there. Um, I think he's probably the backup for 2022, and, and I'm frankly fine with that.
1: All right, well – since we're on the quarterback position, let, let's take a break from exactly what they're looking in terms of keeping and, and and moving on from. And let's look at Justin Fields for a second, because, you know, a very interesting rookie season, to say the least, because I can't think of a quarterback, it doesn't matter if it's a veteran or a rookie, that's had more of a a gap in certain analytics where he scored very well, you know, the, you know, whether you want to look at, you know, the the deep ball accuracy, you know, big time throw rate, you know, any of those kind of things, turnover worthy throws seem to do very well in those. But again, the overall body was poor. We understand the Matt Nagy offense certainly didn't help, you know, the short, short throws, intermediate throws weren't great. You know, that's obviously something can that can be improved upon, but that's also something that Josh Rosen never figured out and is bouncing around as a third stringer from team to team to team. So where are you with Justin Fields after one season, a full body of work, you know, where do you you think he's projecting? Would you say you like him projecting more as a, a top five, top 10 quarterback? Is he more in the serviceable, you know, top 15 kind of range? Where are you kind of floor ceiling at this point with Justin Fields?
0: You know, I think the the weird way to answer this is that I think the ceiling is the same. I think he has the potential to become a a top five quarterback in the NFL. I really do. But I would also admit that I think the floor might be lower than I probably expected coming in. Uh, You know, he still has some of the same issues cropping up. I do think he got better as the year went on. And the data also shows, you know, his average time to throw and – you know, a- avoiding letting pressures turn into sacks and things like that did get better as the year went on. But I think at the end of the day, that's his play style. I mean, he is a touchdown to checkdown guy. He wants to push the ball down the field. He wants those explosive plays, those chunk yardage plays. And you mentioned a couple stats from the, from the PFF QB annual. I thought a major red flag was the same routes were being run, whether it was Andy Dalton or Justin Fields in the game, which we kind of broke down in that and that whole, Analysis. I mean, that just shows again that, you know, the offense was not catered to his skill set, was not putting him in position to succeed. And I think this this new offense with Luke Getzey that everyone keeps calling the Shanahan offense. But I think it might actually be more of a Joe Moorhead RPO downfield shot offense, um, you know, with some of that some of that, you know, Shanahan stuff mixed in. I think it's a perfect fit. And I think we can now better assess him. This year, but the, the physical tools, you know, in my opinion, he still made a handful of throws on the move and did a couple things that just frankly guys cannot do.
1: All right. Well, let, let me ask you this. It's um you know, a little bit of a curveball off off topic a little bit, but you know, saw a lot of buzz recently about Mitch Trubisky. And, you know, that's the name that Bears fans are going to be obsessed with for the next decade until uh, he's he's out of the league or, or all pro someplace else. Um, Mitch Trubisky, is there a, a market for him? Will he be given an opportunity to start? Will he be declared a starter? What do you think uh, of Mitch Trubisky's market uh, this offseason?
0: Yeah, you know, I think even you and I we could admit that we, we maybe thought Nagy was – less of the problem and Trubisky was more of the problem. And look, I'm not going to say that Trubisky is incredible and he was just being held down by a coach. I think there were plenty of his own personal issues and and he didn't really grow or get better in my opinion at all. But I do think the league is now looking at just how bad this offense was with Foles, Dalton Fields and and is maybe having a bit of a, okay, maybe this Trubisky guy still may not be you know an elite starter, but maybe he did get a, a raw deal. Um, and then you couple that with the fact that where he went to Buffalo working with Brian Dable and Ken Dorsey who get, a you know, as, as the quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator who get a lot of credit for helping Josh Allen become Josh Allen. I think there is, I think there is going to be a market. I think a team, I think it's a great question. Will they declare him a starter? Maybe not. Will he have a legitimate chance to win a starting job? I really do believe so um, because I think, mean, look, he's young. It's a weak free agent class. He's the only guy, in my opinion, James maybe but James has the ACL tear the only guy in my opinion where a team could convince themselves let us get our hands on him maybe we could turn him into a starter which generally does not work out but I think they could convince themselves they could make it work all right let's flip
1: over to the defensive side of the ball. Let's start in the secondary here. I think, you know, Jalen Johnson, that's, that's a clear-cut spot there in the corner position. Eddie Jackson, we know, is going, going to be around, at least in the short term. I think Eddie Jackson needs to up his performance level to start living more up to that contract. I actually think there's a good chance that that could happen in this defense, the way Iberflus uses, uses safeties. I think that could be a positive thing for, for Eddie Jackson. But other than that, in the secondary you know, Thomas Graham, I think, is a question that maybe he could start, you know, or, or at least be, a, you know, a key person in the secondary. Other than that, you know, I don't think this new regime is going to look at a guy like Vildor or Shelley or anyone like that as, as any kind of asset to this defense. How would you look at this secondary and how would you try and approach filling in a lot of holes this offseason?
0: Yeah, no, there's no doubt. It it is a a tough secondary. I I do think Thomas Graham deserves at least the opportunity to start at nickel um, or win that starting job at nickel. And frankly, Vildor uh, should never have started on the outside. And I always felt could have made a good nickel as well. Can come up in the run game, make plays, um, you know, can be sticky in coverage, but just not as an outside, you know, cornerback. Um, I think the safety opposite Eddie Jackson's a big signing though. I I think – bringing in a guy, a guy I'm in love with, frankly, but J Ron Kirst from the Cowboys was with the Minnesota Vikings before that, but kind of the yin to Jackson's yang. I and mean, he's almost, frankly, a, a dime linebacker type guy, but can still cover. Um, but yeah, I, I think Jackson, unfortunately for him, he is that deep, deep third, you know, free safety ball Hawk. And, you know, he's got to make some of those splash plays to justify being one of the highest paid safeties in the NFL. If you look at the, the list of guys, otherwise it's guys that also come down and make plays in the run game, can cover tight ends, can do a lot of things um, that maybe he's not great at. Um, he can cover one-on-one occasionally, but never, not a, not a whole requiem on, on Eddie Jackson. But yeah, the secondary, I think, you don't need to spend massive resources. You don't need to make a splash signing, but you need to add like legitimately three or four guys you think could start to at safety and quarterback.
1: All right, now, now, now let's look at the front seven. And I think this is interesting Switching back to the 4-3, the you know, a, a lot of the pieces fit, you know, so some of them don't, but, you know, there's obviously there's there's holes here as well, you know, starting with the linebacking core. Now, really quickly, Roquan Smith, you expect him at the Will position and not the Mike position. Correct. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, that's you know, a lot of people expect, you know, I think a lot of Bears fans are saying, assuming he's going to be the Mike, being that he was an inside backer in the 3-4, but you know, the will position is just going to, you know, utilize his athleticism so much better. And I think he'll be a bigger asset there defensively, but you know, the, the rest of the linebacking core, you know, I don't even think they have a Sam on the roster. I guess Trevathan would be, be a Mike. Um, I, but you know, I don't think how much you, I, I don't even know if Dan Trevathan's going to be on this roster in a couple more months. So, you know, converting to a, a, a four, three, And on the defensive front, obviously, Quinn and Mack are going to be your bookends. They don't really have much of defensive tackle. You can put Blackson in there. You know, Eddie Goldman's on this roster for now. Tonga. So where do you see these, this front seven, what they currently have on the roster? Who converts well into the 4-3 and who doesn't?
0: Yeah, so I think Roquan Smith at the will position. What they did for Darius Leonard is he basically does not take on blocks, doesn't have to shed blockers and do all those things that, that frankly, Roquan Smith struggles with as well. And all you have to do is there be you know clear lanes for you, run sideline to sideline, cover players. I think he has the potential to be an all-pro player in this system as the will. Um, for Mike, I think Danny Trevathan will be a post June one cut, uh, maybe even designated as such, you know, on in March. But but obviously that doesn't happen until June. I think the release of Anthony Hitchens in Kansas City is worth monitoring. Yes, he has lost a step. He kind of got phased out of that defense this this past year with the, the young players they have there, but. Uh, Matt Eberflus was his position coach his entire rookie contract in Dallas he then of course went to Kansas City he can play the mic and frankly a little bit of Sam if, if they wanted him to in this defense because he's a bigger guy um, I think that's worth monitoring because I don't think they're going to spend a ton of money there but I think they need to add several linebackers I'm with you there and then up front I think Mac and Quinn actually fit great in the four-three. Quinn himself has said multiple times in his career that he prefers to play a four-three and have his hand in the dirt um, and not drop into coverage, frankly, ever. But yeah, the the interior is a little scary. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure if Nichols returns, Hicks returns, and yeah, the nose tackles. You know, Goldman is not a fit in this defense. I don't think. Um, you know, he might just not really want to play football. Period. Um, they, they have a lot of work to do on the interior of the defensive line. They do have solid depth, which helps. You know, Mario Edwards and sub packages, stuff like that, but they need, I think they need to add a starter on the interior.
1: All right. So with all that said, kind of the quick roster analysis there for, you know, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it was, let's look at this off season and what the bears can do, because, you know, we do see a pretty sizable cap number, right. Where they have, they have a lot of space available, but, you know, and I don't have the exact number in front of me. The amount of guys on the roster right now is, is really thin, We've just gone over it in a lot of those players, whether they be guys like Trevathan or guys like Vildor, where you don't really see a, a position for them moving forward. So then you sit there and go with the rosters even thinner because there's guys under contract that really aren't going to be able to contribute. So when you kind of break it down and go, you know, considering, you know, draft picks with no first round pick. That's not going to take up too much cap space and the bet minimums to kind of, you know, that's going to have to be a lot of those type of players to fill out this roster. How much real actual cap do you think the bears have to maneuver with when it comes to trying to sign significant players?
0: Yeah. So that's the challenge is that, you know, folks are pointing to the cap space number, which is okay. It's probably, you know, league average, but it's because there's not a talented roster there. Right. Um, and also, I mean, they're going to restructure guys like a Khalil Mack, maybe even a Robert Quinn, which is fine. But, you know, obviously that's you're pushing way down the road on 30 plus year old players, which is always a bit of a risky proposition. Also, if you, if you do it with Eddie Jackson, like you said, I mean, if he has another bad season, he might get cut or, or whatever. And then if you're pushing, you know, further obligations down the road. So I think they're going to spend and I'm fine with that. I just don't think they're going to be, you know, we heard rumors about like a Trent Williams edition last off season, or maybe even talking to Kenny Galladay, like that market to me does not exist, but I do think solid starters, like mid-tier guys, I guess one example at outside corner, Charvarius Ward who's with the Kansas city chiefs, I think would be a phenomenal number two corner opposite of Jalen Johnson. And you could probably get him for, you know, eight to 10 million per year. Those type of guys basically at every spot is what I'm envisioning. You're not you're not flirting with the top end guys but that next tier that second wave that even Ryan Poles himself has said he you know prioritizes I think they're going to be active because end of the day it's rookie contract Justin Fields so you should you should spend and try to have at least a good roster and then maybe fields can elevate that to you know a great team.
1: All right now you you're talking about let me since you brought up restructures to Mac and Quinn let's talk about Robert Quinn for a second because he is interesting To say the least, you know, he's he's got a he's got a large salary, which is fine. He lived up to it last season, obviously. But this is a guy who's in well into his 30s at this point. This is a team that I don't think is suddenly going to jump into a 12 and five record next year unless Justin Fields, you know, becomes Patrick Mahomes overnight. So we're we're, we're sitting here with a team that's going to take a couple of years to put together Robert Quinn. You know, to me, you know, and and I I said this point to a few people on Twitter, I don't think Robert Quinn is an elite player. I think Robert Quinn had an elite season. And I think there's a distinct difference there with an aging guy. Now, I know with a trade, you need to find a trade partner. And I would think with the need of edge across the league, someone would be interested in Robert Quinn. You mentioned restructure. Do you think there's a chance they try and trade Robert Quinn this offseason because his value will never be higher?
0: And that's the thing is that if you wanted to sell high, like you said, I mean, the guy has had a couple of injuries across his career, has had up and down years. And I'm not going to call him a true specialist. Like, he's not terrible in the run game. But if we're honest with ourselves, you want him to pin his ears back and just get for the quarterback and do not much else. The thing is, he's the one guy that I would explore. I would listen to offers. But I just don't see a scenario where they get anything better than a late third, early fourth round pick. I just don't see a team taking on a 30-plus-year-old player on a big deal. And I'll also tell you this, I, I mean, I'm not sure he even would be super keen, depending where it is, but but changing cities again and, and going through everything you went through again, especially because we're still in COVID and all this, you know, I think – He was impacted by all that, like coming to a new club, not being able to meet his teammates and hang out with his guys because they had to stay away from each other and all that. Then he gets the weird foot injury and all these things happen. You know, the reunion with Alec Ogletree, I think meant a lot to him to bring in a a former Rams teammate and stuff like that. So I just, I would answer the phone. I I would hear some teams out because I agree with you. Some teams probably will be calling, um, I'm just not sure the value you get in return is worth shipping him out. Um, You know, for a team that does want to at least try to make the playoffs in the next two years.
1: All right. Let's jump back on the offensive side of the ball and let's talk about wide receiver, because I think that's interesting. Justin Fields needs some people who will have the ability to get open. We saw the, you know, advanced stats last year showed that fields was, you know, the bears were one of the worst in the league, maybe the worst in the league, in terms of receivers that were actually open. So, you know, Fields had to constantly be thrown in tight windows, which obviously does not help a rookie quarterback out at all. You know, Colt, we just talked about tight end position. Cole Komet there probably isn't going to be a lot extra there. We know Montgomery and Herbert are going to be in the backfield. Montgomery can be utilized a little bit there. But wide receiver, it's literally Darnell Mooney and Daz Newsome right now. What do you think is the best approach? You know, one, I know second round pick, you never want to sit there and say, we're drafting a wide receiver. But, you know, it does look like there's going to be some quality wide receivers available in the 30s in this draft. I know we're going to find out more as the combine and we'll see how things shake out a little bit more there. But, you know, you mentioned those mid-level guys, you know, at wide receiver. You know, there's a lot of wide receivers coming off injury that are going to be available, not just in in uh, free agency, but in the draft as well. There's a couple guys there that I don't, you know, we'll see at the combine if they're going to fall because of those injuries. So how do you prioritize? We need fields to have some, some weapons. How do you prioritize getting fields, those
0: weapons? Yeah. So I really do think, like you said, not, not forced to pick, but I think 39 receivers should be, you know, in consideration because, I think there are so many talented receivers in this class that a really, really good player could get bumped down to 39. I mean, folks mentioned George Pickens from Georgia. I I think that would be a slam dunk pick, but even guys like Christian Watson at North Dakota state, I thought really impressed at the senior bowl when I was there. Um, There's so, I mean, we go, we go forever talking about guys that I think will fall to 39. I mean, if a guy like Chris Olave from Ohio state somehow makes it there, I think you run that pick in. Um, So I would look there and I would have no issue going there as for free agency. I thought Michael Gallup was a perfect, perfect fit—a guy that can win on the outside. That is a, you know, your toe tap specialist along the sidelines. Your jump ball guy that can win downfield. Um, if he's available, and maybe you get a discount because of an injury, and, and try to basically do the, you know, the Allen Robinson type thing again. Um, I think that's interesting. I, I think a guy like DJ Chark is very interesting as well. Not a dynamic special player, but a, a burner on the outside Has good size um, would kind of, you know, take the top off defenses and open things up for everybody else. Um, and I think both of those guys are, you know, both coming off injury, but even without the injury, I didn't have them getting much more than, you know, 12, 13 per year. Now with the injury, it could be, you know, 8 million per year for all we know. I would prioritize outside difference makers, but I do also think you explore you know, the Juju Schuster, Jamison Crowder, uh, Keelan Cole type, kind of like slot possession guys as well, because yeah, they they need some help. So
1: would you, all right, let's, let's assume, it doesn't matter if it's second round, third round, let's assume that some kind of draft pick that's not a sixth, seventh round pick is, is put forth at the wide receiver position. You know, Daz Newsome is, is whatever he's going to be. You know, we're not going to sit there and bank on him being, being wide, you know, wide receiver three here. Would you how many quality free agents would you pursue at the wide receiver position? Because I think a lot of Bears fans are assuming they'll they'll sign two, and you know if if the chips fall right, that that makes a lot of sense to me. You keep hearing you know besides a guy like Gallup, you keep hearing a name like Christian Kirk popping up for the the Chicago Bears. At least you know, but at least in the on the Twitterverse, you know I don't know how much interest Ryan Poles has. That's that's yet to be determined. But besides Gallup. Um, Who, you know, is Christian Kirk someone you would consider and how many receivers, not that minimum guys, I'm not talking about those guys, that'll fill out a roster. How many, you know, multi-year contracts do you think they dole out at receiver?
0: I would be willing to go with two, um, two guys that are making, again, I think 12, probably the cap, 12 million per year, but let's say two guys that are making between seven and 12. Um, You mentioned Christian Kirk, who's a great vertical threat out of the slot. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, same thing. You maybe get a discount there because he's missed some time. Um, but it, it does sound like you could have a strong market just because you don't find many six foot five guys that can run a four, three, five, you know, 40 yard dash. Um, I would be willing to do two, but I think it would have to be kind of like, 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 the, like the Jets last off season. They got Corey Davis at, at 12 and a half per year. And then Keelan Cole at one year, five and a half million dollar deal. I think something right like that, where you're, you are adding two guys, but realistically, you know, one guy that might be there for a year and then you figure something out, one guy you bring in for, you know, a three-year deal that might even really be a two-year deal, um, you, you just, I, I just don't think they can break the bank uh, on on receivers in free agency. You know, I say this a lot, but those guys hit free agency for a reason. Um, you know, if their team wanted them back and thought they were a can't-lose player as a, as a receiving weapon, they wouldn't let them hit free agency to begin with.
1: All right, now so we've talked about this. We we talked about all the holes. They're secondary. The help they need a linebacker, offensive line, wide receiver. There's enough holes where you sit there, and, and and I think you make a good point about prioritizing those mid-level signings rather than trying to go out and get two guys that you break the bank on, trying to get you know five or six guys to try and fill out a lot of holes on this on this roster. What are where would you prioritize positions in terms of you know, when, you, when you're looking at this free agency, you're Ryan Poles and you're saying, all right, we got a lot of holes to fill. Where would you prioritize, you know, on, when, when free agency starts, where do you want to prioritize and hit the ground running and not miss out?
0: So I would go offensive line, um, wide receiver, corner and then, and then I think interior defensive line, like a three tech, like a Quentin Jefferson, like a, a low value guy that can get after the, after the quarterback from the interior. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's OL wide receiver corner DL is my order. All right.
1: Now, again, different regime, different thought process, but you know, I get tweets constantly about Akeem Hicks. I know bears fans love Akeem Hicks. We all love Akeem Hicks. You know, obviously he he's lost a couple steps, Is there any chance you think that they bring Akeem Hicks back to play in that three-tech
0: spot? You know, he's a fit there, of course. And and like you said, the regime change probably increases the odds that happens. I think it's possible. I would certainly try. I mean, I'm a biased huge Akeem Hicks fan, but I do. I I still think he does have some left in the tank. Yes, he's maybe lost a step or two, but I still think he's a really good player. And in his favor, it's one of the worst interior defensive line free agent classes of the last several years. So – I guess I could also kind of work against the Bears getting him because some team might just splurge and, and make a big push for him. But um, you know, like the Chargers, for example, with Brandon Staley, Jay Rogers is their defensive line coach. I'm sure they'll be in the mix there. But, um, yes, I would try because I think he is an important member of the team um, and, and is a difference maker and could be motivated, highly motivated to, to have a monster year if they bring him back. All
1: right. While we're talking about bringing back guys, Roquan Smith, obviously that's a guy you're going to try and keep around. He's your will moving forward. What kind of contract is Roquan Smith looking at?
0: I think he's going to sign a deal that looks like Darius Leonard's in, in Indianapolis. So a hair under $20 million per year, um, you know, he got about 19.875 per year or something like that, you know, five years, 99 million, whatever it was. So. I think that's his market. I mean, he is a top 10 pick off ball linebacker that does not miss many snaps, can do everything you ask of him. I know folks, you know, get angry at our PFF grades and I get all that, but off ball linebacker is also this impossible position to play or like a 65 at off ball linebacker for us right now is like a 75 at other positions. Like I, I know that's a whole different conversation, but he's a good player. He's a very good player. And in today's NFL, most importantly, the guy can cover very, very well. Um, so yeah, I, I think he's looking in that range of 18 to 20 million per year on a five, five year deal. All
1: right. So, so let's just, before I let you go here, let's look at the NFC North kind of as a whole, because I think the bears are interesting six and 11 and a lot of holes. We, we know that now you got you know, that in, you know, that you're going to infuse a new coaching staff, you know, Eberflus is one of those guys you want to run through a brick wall for, you know, they have a chance to bounce back a little bit here with, you know, a couple good draft picks and, and, you know, some, some intelligent signings. I, I say that because at six and 11, if Fields improves, which I think most of us expect him to do, take some level of a jump. We don't know what level yet, but some level of a jump fill in some of these holes And now, you know, it's tough to do in February, but when you look at their schedule this year, it does appear that it's going to be softer than it was the previous year. When you put all that into the mix, getting a plus two or plus three in the win column is not impossible, especially we don't know what's going on with 12 in Green Bay. I'll ask you about that here before we finish. Do you think the Bears have an opportunity to jump at least into the playoff hunt this season?
0: You know, I do, because I think the NFC at large is still very weak. You know, the NFC North could be really, really weak, could be maybe the worst division in football if Rodgers leaves. I think Minnesota keeps Cousins, but I, I don't think they're going to be great next year. And Detroit, I like what they're doing, but I think they're still a couple years away. Um, But even look like the NFC South is also a terrible division. I mean, the NFC East is still the NFC East. Like, I, I, I think it's not at all Navy and orange colored glasses to say – not only a wild card, they could win their division. But if they don't win the NFC North, I think there is a very good possibility they get one of those three wild card spots. Um, I do. I, I really do.
1: Yeah, because w- when you look at the NFC as a whole, and I think you make a good point. I know you got Dallas sitting there in in the East. You don't know exactly what Tampa's going to have at quarterback this off season. You know, this, this next season. At this point, I mean, you could make the argument that maybe the four best teams in the NFC are in the same division. You know, I. Right? You know, I, maybe you throw Dallas in the mix or whatever, but. You know, four out of the top five. I mean, everyone's sitting in the NFC West, you know, especially if Russell Wilson bounces back or if he's even on the roster next year. There a lot of questions there as well. So, you know, there's definitely an opportunity there, you know, but with Green Bay, obviously that's that's the hurdle right now. We they're starting to restructure some contracts. We, we saw Kenny Clark coming down. Aaron Rodgers, I think everyone thought they were going to get some big announcement earlier this week on Pat McAfee show and Aaron Rodgers basically just wanted to tell you he went on a cleanse. So he's playing everyone like a fiddle, pretty much like we all expected him to. I think the longer this plays out, the more likely it is that he returns to Green Bay, you know, because I get and here's the one thing I'll say, and I agree with the media sentiment. I can't sit there and see Aaron Rodgers book a spot on Pat's show and say, I'm leaving Green Bay, I'm requesting a trade. That's gonna happen behind closed doors and then Rodgers will come on Pat McAfee show and talk about you know how excited he is to be a part of the Broncos or whatever it might be. But I think it's trending towards running it back with Aaron Rodgers. Where are you right now on the Green Bay drum?
0: I agree. I think, like you said, as more time goes on, I think it raises the odds he returns. It also, just like you have conversations around the league, I think folks were extremely confident he was going to be a Denver Bronco, um, you know, when the season ended. And I just think that has, everyone's kind of gotten less confident in that reality. Um, yeah, I mean, he cares obviously so much about his image and all that, and Denver would be a good situation. But I also, you wonder if in the back of his mind, I mean, we talk about the NFC, NFC North, but also just the NFC versus, you know, the gauntlet that is the AFC West. I, I unfortunately, yeah, I do think he'll, he'll likely be back. I would, I would put it at 55% Packers, 45% Broncos, where I was probably 80 Denver, 20 Green Bay, you know, a month ago.
1: Yeah. It's kind of, kind of the way I'm trending as well. So let me ask you really quick then about the Packers with the restructures on the contracts and and everything they're going to have to do to make all this fit. They're obviously going to have to lose a couple guys on, on defense. I know a lot of people are pointing at the Smith brothers, but what are the Packers going to have to do to their cap over the next couple of years moving forward? Like it, I'm bringing this up for as, as bears fans look at the Packers and, and, you know, their shoulder slump because Aaron Rodgers commits to coming back for a couple of years. One, I look at it as, as the positives I'll take from that is one, they took a first round pick then and flushed it down the toilet with Jordan love because he's not coming into play here for the Packers, at least at all during his, his rookie contract. And two, I do wonder how much cap gymnastics they're going to have to do to make this work and what that will do for them in 2024, 2025, et cetera, when Aaron Rodgers potentially is no longer on this roster, retired, whatever he may be. So what what kind of negative impact are the Packers having on their future if they do go all in for Rodgers for another couple of seasons?
0: Yeah, so they're probably in the worst position of anyone. They already started this morning with a max restructure for Kenny Clark, including adding void years and and all those things we're we're familiar with now in Chicago. What (laughs) it's going to do is, I guess it won't be Jordan Love, but like in theory, let's say they draft another quarterback in a couple of years. What you're doing is you're kind of lessening the value of that rookie contract quarterback. Unfortunately, kind of in the same way the Bears have, but where like, you can't spend like gangbusters like the Bengals and Chargers if they want to this offseason could. The Dolphins, if they want to, could around Tua. You know, obviously Tua is a bigger question mark, but you're just kind of limiting your ability to kind of not go all in, but to really. I mean, look at the Patriots do with Mac Jones. Like, they're not going to be able to do something like that where they just go nuts trying to, you know, work around a rookie. Um, and so maybe it kind of just lessens the, you know, the, the value that you get from a surplus deal like that.
1: All right. Uh, That's going to do it for Brad. I've kept him on long enough. He's got a busy schedule in front of him at PFF underscore Brad. I'm sure you're all following him, but if you're not, make sure you do it, especially here for the next, you know, four to six weeks with the combine. Brad will be at the combine and then moving forward with NFL free agency. he'll, He'll be on top of everything. Brad, thanks so much for so much time. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you. All right. There he is, Brad Spielberger from Pro. Football focus, a lot of information to unpack there, a lot of really good information, gives you a really good idea of what the Bears can potentially do, and I think Brad made a good and polls that kind of talked about that. This isn't a, a, a team that's in a position to go out there and spend big on two or three guys. They have so many holes. They need another corner. They need another safety. They need one or two linebackers. They need potentially a defensive tackle. They need a couple wide receivers. They need one or two offensive linemen. Literally, they need all those positions in, in one offseason if they're going to try and fill in all these holes. You have the draft to try and do that, but you know, no first-round pick. You're only talking about two or three draft picks that you can potentially look at You know, year one starters there best case scenario if you if you draft really well. So they're not going to be able to just rely on the draft and say, you know, we can fill in this hole in the draft. That's obviously a bad strategy anyway. They're going to have to try and fill in these holes. You have a good idea of what their starting roster is going to look like in mid-March, you know, late March when they finish free agency. There is a lot of work to be done on this roster. I think some Bears fans, disagree with me and they're sitting there and they're arguing with me on Twitter that things are solid and they don't need a lot of help. I disagree. They do need a lot of help. But if they prioritize those guys making 8, 10, maybe $11 million a year, they're going to be able to get a lot out of this free agent period here because the cap is going up and they will have some flexibility in that regard. Now a couple of the other things Brad said, Robert Quinn, he doesn't think Robert Quinn is is is, is going to be, be moved. I wouldn't just listen to Robert Quinn uh, uh, trade offers, I would pitch Robert Quinn trade offers. There is a difference between shopping Robert Quinn and listening and seeing if you get blown away. There is a difference there and I think a lot of times that gets lost in the conversation. Listening to trade offers, you know, not hanging up the phone is a lot different than actively shopping him. I think Brad's in the, in the category that he would not hang up the phone on Robert Quinn offers. I would actively shop Robert Quinn. If I was Ryan Poles at the Combine, I would be dropping things to, to, to GMs across the league that if you're looking for edge help, Robert Quinn is available for the right price. I think that makes a lot of sense because moving forward, again, and I'm not sitting here expecting this team to, to make a huge jump next year, I'm expecting this team to gradually get better if Poles and Eberflus are the guys. So Robert Quinn, to me, doesn't fit into the long-term picture of this organization. He's not going to be here in a couple, three years when Justin Fields is hopefully coming into his own and hopefully this roster has been flipped into a Super Bowl contender. Robert Quinn, I don't think is gonna be a part of that. So why not get rid of Robert Quinn when his value is at his absolute highest, where you might be able to get a good mid-round pick for Robert Quinn right now, where you're not going to be able to do that later on. So I think they should try and move, from, move uh, Quinn. And the other thing, David Montgomery, look, I know Bears fans love David Montgomery. he's he's a good running back. he, he you know he he's a hard nosed runner, which you know, the city of Chicago loves. he He, he breaks tackles, he puts his head down, he bur- buries it into defensive players. I know people love that running style. His legs never stop moving. There's a lot of positives about David Montgomery. But I would not want to extend David Montgomery, especially with Khalil Herbert there. I don't think, you know, I think Bears fans think it's just interchangeable with Herbert and Montgomery. Some of them that, that look at it, you know, in terms of the, the running backs being interchangeable. I think Herbert is not as good as David Montgomery. Montgomery is a better running back than, than Khalil Herbert. But based on the amount of holes they have and based on what I mentioned to Brad, when you look at Super Bowl champions, in the last, it's not like the last two or three years, it's like in the last 10 years. They, those teams do not pay running backs because they have taken their resources and spent them elsewhere and they don't use it on a running back. I don't think the Chicago Bears should re-sign David Montgomery. I think he should play out this season and they should say fairly well. I, and move, move with Khalil Herbert or maybe draft another running back in the, in the mid rounds, you know, next season. I just don't think it's a wise investment to invest in David Montgomery. I just it's not about David Montgomery personally, it's about how you structure an NFL roster and how much resources you put into your running game and invest in running backs. Even someone like Kyle Shanahan because you know this is what I've seen on Twitter. Well, the Bears are going to run a Kyle Shanahan offense, the the importance of the the running game and the fact that you know so they should invest in David Montgomery but the 49ers don't invest in running backs they draft running backs I mean they have Raheem they've had Raheem Moser in there they'll sign a low-level free agent and then you know they'll draft Trey Sermon they'll draft Elijah Mitchell they'll 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 keep churning bodies in the running game but they're not going to sit there and go out and spend 12, 13, 15 million dollars on a running back, and I would not do that if I was the Bears. I know that's an unpopular opinion for a lot of people, but that is not a wise investment for the Chicago Bears, if you ask me. I think this free agent period is going to be really interesting, because not only are we gonna see who's going to be on this roster moving forward, but I think we're gonna get a lot of insight into what Ryan Poles looks for in terms of players, what Ryan Poles, how he wants to structure this roster, the the type of players he signs, we're going to get a lot of insight into that. And that's not something we know a lot of because we can look at what Kansas City has done and we can sit there and say, all right, so this was probably Ryan Poles and this was Ryan Poles. But we don't know if Kansas City, if Andy Reid and Brett Veach or whoever it may have been made a decision and Ryan Poles told them that was wrong and he didn't agree with that, we don't know what was going on there. You know, I've heard from people around the league that Ryan Poles was, integral in terms of the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire draft pick, and a lot of people criticized that one. To me, I was okay with that one because I looked at that with the Kansas City Chiefs, with the roster they had, that they basically just needed a, a running back, right? They kind of had all the other pieces in place. They had Mahomes, you know, they had you know a few key pieces on defense. So you invest in a running back where you sit there and say, we're going to get four years of a cheap running back. We can give him the fifth year option, after that, we because again, first round pick, we can even franchise tag him the year after that, then suddenly you're talking about six years of a running back, and at that point, you've never committed a long-term contract to them, and at that point, you're probably ready to move on from them, most likely, because you're talking about a running back at that point who's gonna be 28, 29 years old, and on the cusp of hitting that wall of 30. So that would have been fine for me, as a Kansas City Chiefs fan, but it's a very rare circumstance where I'm okay drafting a running back in the first round. That was actually one where I was. But this is going to be a fascinating offseason. We're going to see what happens here. We're about three weeks away. So, you know, we got the combine here. That's going to give us a good idea of, of what kind of player the Bears are looking at in round two. You know, talking to Brad there, he talked about wide receiver. I agree, that's definitely wide receiver or offensive line. To me, that has to be the two spots you're targeting in the second round. I'd be okay with corner, because obviously they need some help there as well, but really offensive line and wide receiver, that's where I would target if I was the Chicago Bears with that first pick, uh, what, 39 in the second round. All right, so we will be back in March. We will talk some free agency, you know, as the Bears, fill out their roster but until then bear down everybody adios